0: I want to ask you a question because I have one particular show that you did in my head. Uh, I don't want to say if I'm accurate, but what was the most, what was the most painful loss? Uh, what was the, most, the, the, the one loss that stung the most? The
1: 2015 Olympia. Mm, okay. Because I was so close to being number one in the world. And to be honest, most people in the auditorium thought so too. And, and was it, it? it flight? Yeah, yeah. And you know, that's the only one that really sucked because I mean I have many that sucked. Right. But it's that one that that I arguably could have been number one in the world, sure. which which is life-changing, you know. Um just the business that could come from that, um, the the contracts um the you know everything that the appearance fees everything that comes from being number one as opposed to number two yeah Uh, there's number one and then there's the rest that's it yeah yeah yeah. from Uh, my
0: point of view number two ain't is like is in the world is pretty goddamn good but i totally understand your point of view yeah yeah oh that on the show that i was thinking of and i actually messaged you on instagram um but you probably got a million messages on Instagram, was the Arnold Classic when you took second to hide. Oh,
1: yeah. yeah, exactly. That was the one I so, was... Because... That one stung for a different reason. Again, I love Hide and, and, and I love Flex. And, yeah, right, sorry. You never want to disrespect the winner by, by being upset, but I was upset because I watched from the stage arnold send one of his cronies up to the judge's table to give his opinion like you're the promoter not a judge yeah and he had just come out with this like you know this is bodybuilding not body destroying and you you have bubble guts and all this stuff and i was the biggest hardest guy on stage you know and
0: certainly especially from the back from the back it was like yeah
1: yeah and you know, I, I just felt like this guy that I worshipped as a kid, and I even met her later on in life, and he was great to me. And, and, and then he just started, like, basically talking shit and making sure that, that I, I wasn't going to win. And, and it, was a, uh, it was a tough pill to swallow. It was as if they changed the rules mid-game. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I came there to win. I did a show every year they had it. They had five 212s, and I did every single one. Hmm. And I didn't have to. I wanted to do it. It was a great show and and wanted to represent not just myself, but the Arnold Classic and the 212 division. And to have it, you know, I just felt like more than any other show, that was a very political move. If you look, there was five winners from five different countries when would that happen when does that ever happen each year a different winner a different country it just seemed a little um peculiar yes yes. (laughs) and and, you know i brought the heat that year I, i wasn't better than the year before but i was damn close and You know, I I felt as though I'd done enough to win, and someone didn't want me to, and and that hurt because um, that's just not how it should be. Right. And uh, but you know, still that wasn't the number one show in the world. It was the number two show. Right. And um, you know, nothing hurt more than losing the Olympia. You know, when it's it's in your grasp, it's it's there, and, and, and you know my family and friends were all freaking out after prejudging like you just fucking won the olympia you know i'm like no nah, no nah, i knew better i'm like uh, we'll see you know, well that, and I, now you
0: know how uh kai felt and flex wheel yeah. and sean ray felt and yeah. you know the list goes down of no oh, yeah. bodybuilders that are in the hall of fame you know it that has to be a oh, branch was another one branch came in second uh um, yeah that's that has to be you know or, you know like you said a tough pill to swallow.
2: Um, long story short. Okay. Um, I started I started training around two thousand six two thousand seven. Mm. Um, I, I dealt with uh, eating disorder all through high school. I I really thought that uh, skinny was the the thing because tabloids, TV, magazines, yes. everything that's what you saw. Yes. And especially so course, back then. The time, yes. You know. Um. What I couldn't fit into a prom dress. I was poor. I one of six kids, you know, so the girls were like, if you do this, you know, you can lose the weight. Well, mm-hmm. it became habit and I could control my weight and stuff. But then it got out of control. Right. So I'm out of control. And so um
0: if you don't mind me asking, what kind of eating disorder was it?
2: So I was bulimic. Mm-hmm. Um, I love I love food.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But then the
2: guilt part of it. Yes. Like I would, I would eat and I would eat and I would eat. I mean, I would eat everything under the sun and then the guilt would sit in, I'd go purge and it got to where it was, it was automatic. You know, I didn't have to purge anymore. My body was like, oh, we just had something. So we've got to go, you know? So, and it, and it, it was bad. Like I got to where I couldn't get up and take care of my son. Mm. And, you know, I was like, I, I can't do this anymore. You know? Um, so I turned to a friend who owned a gym, his wife was a dietitian, and I learned how to be able to, um, deal with, okay, I'm eating this because this is healthy for me and it's not going to make me, you know, blow up and be fat, things like that. And, um, you know, he talked me into doing my first competition because I, I was tiny, but I've always had like a small athletic build because I've always been very physical. Mm-hmm. Um, I started out in the fire department when I was like 14, 15 as a, as a volunteer, you really? know, I was always doing things that was very physical. Um, you know, we were outside all the time. There were six kids. You didn't stay inside. You that's were right. moving wood piles and, and you know, everything, you know. So long story short, so that's where that started. And um, you know, I remember being in Kroger, I think it was Kroger, maybe it wasn't Kroger at the time, but it was a grocery store. And I remember seeing um a magazine with like Rachel McLeish on it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I remember seeing a poster somewhere. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, she's beautiful!" And it was Linda Murray.
0: Oh yeah, well, she is beautiful.
2: <laughs> and then, um, absolutely. And then I saw Corey Everson and I was like, yeah. "This is just, this is just, wow!" So I, you,
0: you I, and I, you and I must be the same age then, because those were the girls when I was in like high school and uh, so on. So, forth. those are the girls that were on the covers and so on
2: and so forth. So you're asking me to tell you my age. Then. No, 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 no,
0: <laughs> You could just say, no, I, I will never ask you that. Um, um But I, I will ask you uh, what years were this? I'm assuming this was the 90s.
2: Yeah. So I, okay. I graduated in 92.
0: Okay. Yeah. So okay. I graduated
2: I gra- high school in 92. I graduated but in 94.
0: So yeah, about the same age. I
2: just, I just remember seeing, seeing these girls and I'm thinking to myself, that's absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, and I remember my dad having um rebar that was super thick, uh, coffee cans filled with concrete. Oh yes. And your curls and stuff with that. And I'm like, hmm. And then my brother would go to like the weight room and stuff when we were in high school and I would go with him. Mm-hmm. So it was just, you know, and then once once I got um into starting with my first competition, I was addicted. T- so t- it was t- one t- addiction t- to another, and it was it was such therapy for me, such yeah. therapy because I was in control. You know, I didn't mm-hmm. I didn't let something else, um, you know, kind of take control over me. I was in control.
0: So you literally so went was- you literally went from battling these de- these eating disorder these demons mm-hmm. to how long how long were you battling that that that, that disorder when
2: I, about. 15 years old and um, the last purge that I had was probably because I mean it's an ongoing thing it's never going to go away Mm because you have urges and stuff but the last time I purged was probably 2012.
0: Okay so you're battling this and you were able to this is what I mean by women bodybuilders are, are mentally stronger than the majority of people you were able to literally make the change where food is the number one ingredient in the sport that you chose.
2: Funny thing that we, we, that you just said that, Mm -hmm. because that, that was one of the main keys to me putting on the size that I did over this last year. Of course. It gave me the package for this year because it's always in your head. You know, if I eat this, if I eat this, Mm -hmm. you know, Oh my gosh, I need to do more cardio. I need to do more cardio. And I had to learn how to balance that. And um, like my husband is my coach. Mm -hmm. uh, I, um, I would hear him say, you know, you need to eat more, you need to eat more, but it wasn't something consistent because I was always scared that I would put on that bad weight.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. So this last year sucked it up. Everything was outside the normal box for me Mm -hmm. and 30 pounds later.
0: Wow. Yeah. I did see (laughs) that's amazing. That's amazing. It truly, that truly is like, putting 30 pounds of muscle on period is amazing, but going through the trials and tribulations you went through and then put that's even more astounding. And this is why I have the opinions about women bodybuilders that I, that I do is I truly believe that they are mentally stronger than the majority of people out there. We are. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Regan Grimes, who is now with Milos, right?
3: Yep. I was training Regan uh, last year leading into his, leading to Olympia like we train a couple times a week and then he would kind of he would come in and out because he he also was splitting kind of time between here and London Ontario which is pretty decent drive and he had his own like even with Regan like Regan it's great that he's found Milos and like that he's got this rapport with Milos and this like consistency and someone to be on him and like kind of walk him through because Milos is a great pro Milos is a great guy right so it's Mm -hmm. like it's great that he's had, he has that kind of, he's found that kind of like piece where he fits. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So he's, there's a the sky's the limit for him, but like, honest to God, like he's another guy who's worked with countless trainers and countless, like he's been to Kuwait. He's worked with both yes. people. So it's yeah, like, he's got a lot of, he's got a lot of inventory of knowledge mm-hmm. that he can compile into like, now it's like, okay, well, Nilos is now going to harness that
0: mm-hmm.
3: and like do what Milos does. Right. For him. So it's like, he's it's like i mean like when people say oh so-and-so is with so-and-so now like if someone's like oh so-and-so is with mike now it's like but i'm you're just a. you're also a product of all these people that came before me and you're also a product of yourself from the stuff you've taught yourself it's not like you just wipe the slate clean and oh mike mike is responsible for this guy or milos is responsible or patrick tour is responsible like no like there's a journey that led up to the point when you meet, when you're working with this person now and all that stuff before still counts. Mm-hmm. You can't just discount it right? and yeah, say yeah. that this guy took me, this guy made me what I am. It's like, no man, there's hours of lifting. There's thousands of sets mm-hmm. that happened before this moment. Right.
0: Yes. Yeah, and yeah.
3: all, and if you didn't do all that, you wouldn't be where you are now to have someone take you and elevate you a bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. I don't, that's why I don't think like people are making a big stink about, Regan going with Milos and this and that and there was like all this controversy. It's like no, like because Regan had a lot of people influence him prior to Milos and all that stuff's still with him as well, right? Whether it's Yeah, well, it's, that it's,
0: yeah it's not like he was a shithead. He's still, you know, top ten no, it's, I mean, in the world, that's, you know? that's
3: the thing is like if Regan went with if Regan went with like let's say person X instead of Milos, like he's mm-hmm. still gonna be Regan.
0: Right, right. That's, right, right. that's
3: right. those that genetic and that ability and that gift and talent is in that person. Yeah. I didn't, that didn't get brought out by one person. Right. right, right like, Oh, well, Chris Acido brought the best out of him. Like, well, no, Chris Asido worked with him at this point, And then he worked with another person and he worked with Dorian. Dorian brought the best that he brought out of him so far. Mm-hmm. And now it's just like another step to let's see what he does with Milos. And I think they'll do fantastic. I think. Oh they're yeah.
0: Gonna kill it. It, it. Well, you can see already. I mean, the t- last few shows that he did, uh, yep. It was, it's night and day. I feel like, well, you know, um, Milos, I don't know what, you know, it's like he is one of those modern trainers where you could see, you almost, you could see a tremendous difference on stage. And I think it's all conditioning. Uh,
1: yeah. Well, that's
3: the, that is the difference that, that people don't understand. Like the degrees of conditioning curate an illusion of a physique that's maybe bigger or mm. or like fuller rounder because the person committed themselves and and milos i feel like i don't know milos personally but i've interviewed him and i've and i've been a big fan of him for a long time it's like i think he pulls the best out of people and i think he has a has a knack of like like people see when people work with someone that they see has done it before Mm -hmm. and at a high high level because milos was great man like i was a huge fan of milos growing up like not even not just his not his work he's done with people. I'm talking about him.
0: His, his bodybuilding. Like, yeah, his his physique, bodybuilding. And his physique
3: and his posing and his yeah. like attention to detail yeah. and how meticulous he was and he knew the sport in and out. Like yeah. That all gets transferred to now the person that he's working with and he instills that in them. So, of mm-hmm. course, they're going to get better. Why yeah. wouldn't they? they yeah. They'd have to be a moron not to get better. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they, then, they literally have to be a moron.
0: And then the people that leave him, you could actually see it when Max Charles left him. I don't know what the falling out was, but you saw a tremendous difference, you know, the other way when max Charles left him. all of a sudden he's dropping. I think
3: think it's, yeah, I think it's just a matter of like, it's like max Charles leaving him, Regan joining him. It's just like, maybe like your journey, your journey with each person, like any relationship in life, whether it could be a boyfriend or a girlfriend, some people, their journey starts with that person and ends with that person. Whereas Mm. a lot of people, a lot of us like, we meet another person, we meet another person. And it all influences you to becoming the person you are. Right. So these are all necessary pieces that have to happen. And, like, I hope for Regan's sake and Milos' sake or anybody's sake who joins a new coach that, like, it's always the best for them because mm-hmm. it should be. And, yeah. like, you 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 that, the next person should be the best person because you're smart enough to recognize, like, I need this right now.
0: That's right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah no, absolutely. And, I, and any, great, just, any great athlete kind of has to recognize when you've kind of drawn all the info out of this person and you kind of need to – go yeah, and that's and
3: yeah. for some reason and for some reason in bodybuilding it's become this big controversy like yeah everybody oh the so-and-so's with so-and-so now it's like yeah but like if you went up if you went up to that person and you spoke to them one-on-one and didn't have this like facade of bodybuilding around they'd probably tell you yeah like i really i really learned a lot from this guy and i really took a lot from this guy and now i'm just like now nah, i just happen to be going in this direction But Mm -hmm. it's not like, fuck that guy and fuck that guy. This guy didn't know what I'm fucking. It's like, no, it's not. But that's that's how they portray it, right? Like, it's nothing to do with that. Like, I tell my guys all the time, like, if you, if they are like, I don't, they don't train with me every day. I don't train my guys every day. And Mm -hmm. at one point I did. And then things kind of happen where guys are doing shows or I'm away from, because I'm working on my other job. I'm not around. So it's like, I just hope that what I instill in them are like little things, like maybe little cues I give them or little like tips I give them to like their head, head placement or hand placement or where they're starting from. And I, and it's like nice for me to see because I'll be working out in the gym by myself and I'll see them training and I'll notice like their movement is exactly what I want them, what I would want them to do. So I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh, maybe it, it clicked for them. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, that's a, that's a win for me
0: anyway. So I, my brother, my brother Dominic and I, and this is one of the, like more, more of a selfish question My brother Dominic is a big hunter, but he likes he likes uh he hunts for some reason he, he loves to hunt bird ducks, pheasant, turkey I don't know what it is about birds. he says it's challenging to him. I have no idea you know I'm, I'm not much into it, but I should go um, I was watching uh Fuad's podcast and 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 guy was describing uh, I believe it was a, a specific type of boar hunt you guys do, and it's without rifles. am I accurate right. Can you can you describe that? I actually really want to send this to my brother and have him and have him watch it because he would love it.
4: So man, I've been uh, I've been doing this since I was a kid. So uh, you know, we we have a ton of uh, these wild boars in Texas. I don't know, several million of them, and um, they're not you know they're not native animals. They were introduced here way back when, and so they've just proliferated all over all of the state, all over the south, actually. I think most, and I think they're good. I don't know how many states have them now, but they're uh, they're a nuisance. So uh, they destroy crops and farmers. You know it's cost farmers a lot of money so um anyway i've been hunting since i was a kid so we hunt them with dogs so you have these bay dogs you know like hound dogs blackmouth curs, Catahoula's, things like that and they uh they track these things down and um it's a very physical hunt because you gotta you gotta walk and keep up keep the dogs so you can at least hear them you know um back in those days now we have gps so it makes it a little a little bit easier to track the dogs but um they get on them and uh they get one bait up and um uh, then you uh, have a bulldog or a pit bull with you. You put a Kevlar vest on him and a cut collar because those boars have those big long tusks. You know, they're deadly. And um, they get one bait up, and you get in there and you turn the, the bulldog loose. He catches it. And uh, then you go in, you grab it, and you stick it with a knife.
0: And those, those pit bulls have no fear. They just go, go grinding.
4: They... People that, are like, you have a 100 pound pit bull, right? Yeah. Oh, so you have no idea, I guarantee you, what that dog is capable of. I see. It's a household. You, you know pit bulls, and they're, they're they're sweet and loving, and all this stuff. And I'm just looking at them. I'm like, you have no idea what you have. So <laughs> they're natural element. You know, they were bred to hunt. You know, and be you know protection dogs and to hunt, and uh, they love it. I mean, as soon as you, you I would pull out their vest, they just start going nuts, man. And uh, they uh, they don't know quit. So the, you always you kind of form a special bond with them, with the bulldogs and the pit bulls, because they they just don't know quit. They won't quit. So. Okay. Them loose, there's two outcomes the hog dies or they die. Wow, and, you know, that's um, that's why we put all the, the protective gear on them to protect them so they don't get hurt. And uh, they just won't quit. I mean, it's just that's what makes them so awesome because they just stuff self- that are in and they go. I've never seen one give up, they just don't give up.
0: So, the dog grabs the boar, I'm assuming, probably by the ne- neck most of the time, right?
4: Now, they, we try to train them to do it by the ear, they get them by the ear, oh, and then okay. by the ear, and they keep their body up against the, the boar's body. They're safe. You can't get them. Okay. So uh, you've got an 80 pound pit bull hanging off your ear, you ain't know, running away. Oh, you ain't going nowhere.
0: So the, the boar's got him by the ear, and you obviously have to find, or you already know where the boar is. And then
4: you, where exactly do you stab him? What kind of knife do you use? I just use a, you know, just a, you use about a 10, 12 inch knife, and you just stab him behind the front leg down low where the heart lungs are, and it's over probably quicker than a gunshot, actually. Really? And, uh, yeah, it's, a. Uh, it's not a very quick, very, uh, you know, you ever hear this term, bleeding like a stuck pig? Well, when uh, you hit, you hit the money, it you know, and it's over just like that.
1: Ah,
0: uh, um,
4: okay. So it is more humane than, than you, you think. Yeah, it is. I and, you know, people got issues with hunting or whatever. Um, that's fine. But, you know, when you go to get a nice steak or a burger or a chicken or a fish, that's right. you know, I promise you the way we hunt is much more humane than how they get killed in a slaughterhouse.
2: Oh, absolutely.
0: Now,
4: and there's, I have no, see no problem with honey, as long as you eat the meat. I mean,
0: yeah, as long as you put it to use. Yes, I agree. Yeah, and I don't think you're from Texas because you somehow hooked up with Branch. How did you tell? How did that happen?
5: Well, when we um, we, we turned pro at the same time, mind you, I won the light heavyweight class. He won the heavyweight class. Mm-hmm. Eric Artiro, God bless the dead, he won the middleweight class. And uh, Art Adwood, God bless the dead, he mm-hmm. uh, won. Super right. heavy. And we're all from Texas. We all live in Texas. Okay. You know, so it was a pretty cool deal in 2001 for Texas.
0: Mm. Um, it, uh-huh. did, did you always train with Branch or that was something? That no, you- no, that's
5: what, that's what I'm getting at. Um, okay, good. You know, we met once before, before the Nationals. I met him once before. It was at a show that I was doing, um, the heart of Texas, here in Texas. And um, Branch, his uh, coach at the time, Mark Hanlon, and a few other entourage guys were in the back and uh, they saw me and I kind of heard them whispering a little bit. And I kind of looked over and uh, they were like, man, that guy looks pretty good. And so they all came over, introduced themselves and stuff like that. And uh, I just had got out of the military um, wow. and that was my very first show here in Texas. And, um, you know, uh, I actually tried to call Mark Hammond. Um, probably the whole week after, because they wanted to hook up and me started working out with them and stuff like that then the whole group. Um, but they, they never returned my phone calls. Mm-hmm. So anyway, after the nationals, um, I was working out here at Stroud's, I'm talking about here. I'm outside the gym. Obviously I'm in my truck. <laughs> I got a client to train. Um, so, um, this is where I tra- usually train at Stroud's fitness here in Hearst, Texas, um, and he worked out at South Lake training center with Mark Hanlon and Metroflex, the original Metroflex gym in Arlington, Texas. Um, so he came over here to work out and I was training my client and I looked over and I was like, Holy crap. There's that guy who won, uh, the heavyweight class at the nationals, you know? And, uh, he walked over to me. He's like, Hey man, what's up? He was like, uh, what are you training tomorrow? And I said back, he was like, you, you want to hook up? And I was like, hell yeah. And, uh, we train every day since then.
0: That's it. That was, that's, how, that's how it happened. Now, yep. I, those videos that are on YouTube and whatnot, those are probably the most motivational bodybuilding videos anybody has ever seen. The energy is amazing. The workouts are intense. Even to this day, I meet young guys in the gym that are like, oh, I watch Branch and Johnny Jackson before I come to the gym. <laughs> did, you ever, did you ever meet somebody that could match your intensity, you and Branch?
5: Well, no, that's why I'm working out with him. He's the only one. Um, other than Branch, uh, before him, my brother, my oldest brother, which I lost. And that's kind of why I'm a pro bodybuilder now, because it was his dream. Um, one of his dreams before we lost him. And uh, I was in the military right at uh, 10 years, and I decided to get out instead of, you know, re-up and uh, continue my career because I figured I would end my career in the military. Mm-hmm. Um, but when the, that, you know, when my brother happened, I, uh, you know, left the military and decided to make his dream mine and something we were doing together. And it took me four years. I turned pro and been doing it ever since. That's fantastic.